take your copy of the Word of God, your copy of the Bible with me, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 2. If you're visiting with us, we are not in Matthew chapter 2 because of the season, because it's the story of the wise men, but we are, as our habit is, we preach verse by verse through the Bible, and we began preaching through the book of Matthew, and we've already had many sermons in chapter 1 and also some in chapter 2, and we continue our verse-by-verse preaching through the Word of God, and we're in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11, where the wise men have come to see Jesus Christ. The setting is a little different than what society or religion promotes. This is not the babe, but the young child, but we've already talked about that. We want to focus in on what's happening here as these wise men come to the Lord Jesus. And I would say this, that these messages in the text of the Word of God are appropriate to be preached at any time. The Bible's always appropriate to be preached. It's always right. It's always true. I I do fear people that come only during Christmas time to some places and they only hear a story of the birth or during the resurrection, they only hear a story of the resurrection. There's so much in the Bible about God's Son and about the truth that we need to know. But we are in, on holy ground here, and we're going to look at what the Bible says, starting in verse number 11, these wise men that have come to see the child. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, And when they were come into the house, you notice he's not in an inn, not in a stable, not, this is later, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. What a contrast. We find some seeking Jesus to worship him, and someone else seeking Jesus to destroy him. I don't really think much has changed. Verse number 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. The Bible said in verse number 11 that when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. I want to talk about the worship of Jesus Christ. 
Wise people will do that. Wise people will do that. This is the first mention in the Bible of someone worshiping Jesus. Now it is true, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6, when God brings his first begotten into the world, God says, and let all the angels worship him. I believe they probably did what God told them to do. I believe all the, but you see all the angels were worshiping him before he came down here. They worshiped him when he was up there. And so it was, I would think it was probably a a rather stretch for them. The angels probably didn't fully grasp all of what was going on. That God Almighty became flesh for us, we human, sinful human people, that we might be redeemed from our curse. I think they were probably fascinated about that, but I'm sure all the angels of God worshiped Jesus Christ. But this is the first reference of human beings worshiping Jesus. It is not said that the shepherds worshiped Jesus, they rejoiced. But it does not say they worshipped him. Certainly his mother loved him, but it doesn't say she worshipped him. I'm sure Joseph, because he knew where this child came from, came from heaven. I'm sure he loved the child as well. No record that Joseph worshipped Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, have you worshipped him? Do you worship him? What does that even mean to worship something? I see a great contrast, just like as I said just a moment ago, these wise men sought for Jesus and Herod sought for Jesus, but they had two separate motives. In this text, we see the worship of the wise men, but we also see great wrath. You see that in the text? The Bible said in verse number 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. Here is two different extremes. Here's someone worshiping because Jesus Christ has come in the world. And here is somebody filled with wrath because Jesus Christ has come in the world. There's great joy and there's great gladness. You see that in verse number 10 of chapter 2. The wise men, they have great joy. But in the same text, you know what we've read this morning in your hearing, that there was great weeping. And there was great mourning because somebody had an opposite view of Jesus. They didn't have a joyful view of Jesus. They had an angry view of Jesus. And instead of causing them uh, to worship, it caused Herod to bring forth his, the, the blunt of his wrath and start killing children. He would have been a good Hamas leader. Killed all the children from two years old and under. Can you think of something more depraved and despicable? It's bad enough for somebody to take any human life. It's terrible the plague we have in our own nation about how people are so flippant about taking the lives of unborn children. But here we're way beyond that. Herod says, I want you to go out into Bethlehem and find every child in every home that's two years old and below, which is the age 
approximation of the Christ child. And I want you to kill every one of them. Can you imagine the scene? Now, I tell you what, I, I know there's a lot wrong with America. Man, it's despicable. But aren't you glad somebody's not bursting in your home and taking your child and killing them? In the name of the government, in the name of the authorities? How despicable. The weeping, you say, well, what would have happened? I'm sure there probably wasn't just uh, children dying. There were probably some dads that went down too, wouldn't you think? And the Bible says there's great mourning and great weeping and they, nobody could stop it because here's the deal. Either you are excited about Jesus or you're angry about Jesus. Either you want to love him or you want to hate him. There's really no middle ground. He, he's either an imposter and a deceiver and a rival to what you want or he's who he said he was. He's God in the flesh. He's the Savior of men. He, he's the one that deserves worship. And there are two extremes here. And so what I'm trying to tell you, this story that brings so delight and people hang the nativity scene and they talk about the wise men, you've got to understand the great sadness and mourning and weeping and wrath on the other end of the scale. And that's the difference between what goes on in your heart and life. If you love the Lord Jesus, there can be joy, there can be worship. If you're angry at God, if you're angry at Jesus, there'll be great weeping. But the Bible says they came to worship Him. The Word of God told us that. It's really the first mention in the, in the New Testament, obviously, when they come to Herod the king and they say in verse number 2 that we are come to worship him. Of course, Herod lies and says, well, I want to worship him too. And so I would just remind you there's a lot of people that say they want to worship Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean they love him. Because Herod never did worship him. I want to say this. Everybody worships something. You know, the first mention of the word worship in all of the Bible is all the way back in the book of Genesis. I don't think anything in the Bible is a, a, a coincidence. It's, it's a divine book. It's something even beyond what man could ever even think of doing. The first time worship is mentioned in the Bible, it's in Genesis 22, when Abraham, at the commandment of God, takes his only begotten son to go up to a mountain and he says, let's go up to that mountain and worship. That is the picture of God's own. And by the way, it was in the same exact place that our Lord was crucified. That mountain just outside of Jerusalem. And Abraham is going to take his son up to that mountain and worship. The very first reference of worship in the Bible surrounds the prophecy of the cross of the Lord Jesus. I would say this, there's, there, there's, there's nothing else that deserves your worship. But everybody worships something. You know, we have these atheists that say that they don't worship anything. But the truth is they worship their own mind. Everybody worships something. They worship their own thoughts. They worship their own philosophies. They worship themselves. A lot of people worship themselves. Everybody worships something. Everybody worships somebody. People worship celebrities. People worship sports figures. And 
People venerate and adore all kind of people. I think it's so appropriate. I, I, I would be fine if it's every day and every Sunday that people say, if we got together and sang, oh, come let us adore him because he's the only one that deserves your adoration and your worship and your love and your affection. Everybody else falls so short. You're in Matthew. Would you turn over just a page or so to chapter 4? I see the worship of these wise men. They're very wise. Yeah, I want to say it's a very unusual thing. Because if this is a man, just a man, if he is not the virgin born son of God, God in the flesh, if he is not the God man, then worshiping him is a sin. Men are not to be worshipped. You notice when the wise men come into the house, they do not worship Mary. You see that in your Bible? They worshipped him. Mary, if they'd have worshipped Mary, that would have been blasphemous. You don't worship people. We're all sinful people. What a sin to worship. You know, the Bible says, Him only shalt thou serve. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart. Him only, you see. He's the only one deserving of worship. Mary's not deserving of the worship. She's a sinner. And if you read her story, when when Christ was born in Luke chapter 2, she said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. She knew she needed to be saved. She knew she needed a Savior, which was born. God sent him through her vessel, yes, but she needed saving like everybody else. Oh, no, the wise men did not come to worship Mary. That would have been blasphemy. And if Jesus Christ was not very God in the flesh, it would be blasphemous and sinful to worship him as well. Do you remember Peter, our Catholic friends, you know, they they think it's all right to bow down and worship the Pope and all that kind of business. When... A Gentile, Cornelius was his name, came to Peter and he didn't know anything about God and he got a revelation from God and he goes to Peter and as soon as he comes to Peter, the Bible says he fell down before Peter to worship him. He was a good Catholic. The Bible says he was also of the Italian band so he's just more Catholic than anybody could ever be. He falls down to worship Jesus or excuse me, to worship uh, Peter And Peter grabs a hold of him and says, stand up. I myself also am a man. I mean, Peter was a great man. He did many great miracles. But he knew more than anybody, you shouldn't be worshiping me. How deluded and wicked would anybody be to receive worship as a sinful fallen creature? That's what's so wicked about those North Korean dictators over there wanting worship. What satanic people they are. We don't deserve worship. As a matter of fact, you remember the book of the Revelation and John gets the revelation how everything's going to end. And one of the angels give, gives him a, a great revelation of the end times. And the Bible says even John, the beloved disciple. I mean, if there's anybody ever that loved Jesus and was close to the Lord, it was John, was it not? And John fell down before the angel. I mean, what the angel showed John was so overwhelming. John fell down to worship the angel. And the angel said, no, sir, don't you do that. You're not to worship me. You know what the angel said? He said, worship God. There are some people that worship angels. That's, that's sinful. That's wrong. And what I'm trying to say is it is such a profound thing 
that these wise men worship Jesus. It shows their conviction that this is not just a man. This is God. He's the only one that deserves worship. I wonder, do you worship him? Or do you just live life? You, you can appreciate God. You can even respect the word of God. Doesn't mean you worship God. I'm so glad you're in church this morning. But, but friends, just because you're in church this morning does not mean you're worshiping. Worship has to come from your heart. You know what it does? It shows, shows what you think Jesus is really worth. These men, they traveled all this distance, and they, they fall down. They begin to worship. I said everybody worship something. I didn't forget where I told you to go. Look at Matthew chapter 4, just a couple, just a little bit past this text. And we run into Matthew chapter 4, and we run into the devil tempting Jesus Christ in Matthew 4 and verse number 1. And the Bible says in verse number 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil take them up into an exceeding high mountain, and show them all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. What really should have happened, Satan should have fell down and worshipped Jesus, but the devil wants Jesus to fall down and worship him. I ask you this morning, who do you worship? A lot of people worship the devil and don't even know it. Some people worship education. Some people worship religion. Some people worship some philosophy. We have wackos today that worship the earth. I mean, worship the dirt and the trees and the owls and the fish and the sun and the ozone holes and the grass. What a, what a, what a terrible, pitiful God. Some, the Bible even tells us, worship the host of heaven. They worship the stars and the planets and outer space. We still have some of those. But the Bible tells us that these wise men were so wise, they knew who to worship. They worshiped Jesus. You know, it's not an easy thing to worship Jesus. Jesus came to a woman one day, and he got to talking to her because she needed him. And she... It, made an excuse for herself and he she said you know we don't worship like you Jews worship Jesus looked at her in John chapter 4 and told that woman at the well you worship you know not what you don't even know what you worship he said he said you if you're going to worship you've got to worship in spirit and in truth that's why religion of itself is not a worship to God it has to be in spirit and it has to be in truth your spirit has to be engaged in worship, you see. Your heart has to be engaged. And that's why I say this morning, and, and what a sadness in our country that so many people talk about Jesus, but so few connect their hearts with Him. So few are wise enough to really worship Him in their spirit and from their heart. 
They don't worship him in truth. They worship him their own ideas. They don't worship him according to the truths of the Bible and, and, and how God tells us that we must worship him. Worship is really connected with the greatest commandment of, of loving God. You worship something that you just love so much. And I ask you this morning, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you understand the story of Jesus Christ. But my question to you is, are you a wise man? Do you love God with all your heart? And do you worship him? Or are you, are you a liar like Herod that says you want to worship him, but you've really not given yourself to him? You've not come to him with all of your sins and acknowledged that you need him to be your savior? You've not acknowledged who he is? The worship of the wise man. It's either that or it's weeping. It's either that or... Or it's wrath. Why are so many people filled with wrath? Because they have not the love of God in them. Because there's other things in their life that take preeminence and take the worship of their hearts. I see these wise men worshiping Jesus. But as I get to this worship and explain it to you, I want you to go back to verse 11. The Bible says in verse number 11 of chapter 2 of Matthew, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Watch it now, watch it. And fell down and worshipped him. It did not say they just come in the house and they begin to worship him. No, no, the first thing they did, would you see it in the scripture this morning, is they fell down. That, that, that is astounding. You're talking about rich men. You're, you're talking about the Rothschilds of the world and the Trumps of the world. You're talking about men that have traveled a long distance with big, big pots of gold, you understand. You're talking about prominent people. You're talking about people that know things that other people don't know. You're talking about people that have, that have stood before other kings in other lands. And as soon as these wise men walked in and they saw Christ, they fall down. <laughs> you know what I really believe? I believe that most people are on their way to hell because they refuse to fall down at the feet of Jesus Christ. They say, I will not humble myself before anyone. And I would say this, there's no worship of Jesus Christ without humility. But you can pick it. You can pick whatever you want. You can pick humility or you can pick, pick hatred. Herod was not about to fall down. Let me ask you, why do you think Herod was so mad? There's somebody that's bigger than him on the scene. You don't appreciate that. In his own twisted mind, he's wondering why these wise men aren't bringing him the gifts. You see? The king of the Jews, well, who do you think I am? You do understand the, the position of Herod the king. Herod the Great is what they called him. Herod the Great. The one, I've been to Jerusalem. I've seen the stones that man put there. They're still there. Building one of the wonders of the world. This was a, 
a, a high exalted man in history to where history calls him Herod the Great. The interesting thing is though, I saw his stones over top of Solomon's stones and they look sort of small. Amen. I mean, you look, I went behind the western wall and they'll take you down under on, on the bottom part of, of where the temple sits. And, and they, you can see the progression of how they built over top of things. And you see these huge stones of Herod the Great. They're huge. And then the Jews will point you downward. And here are stones that cannot even, they're, they're so amazing you wonder how they even got there. You know, God's stuff is so much bigger than man's stuff. God's so much bigger than we are. The best of us are, are, are small pickings, you might say, you see. Herod the Great. Come on, Herod, who are you kidding? You know what you are. You know, if every one of us would be honest, we know what we are. We know how low we are. We know how sinful we are. Not Herod. Why aren't you falling down and worshiping me? Why, why didn't you come all this distance to see me? Don't you know all the Jews have to respect me and submit themselves to me? And you, they're going to submit. Oh, he's angry because someone now is his rival, you see. And someone is going to have the throne that he thinks he deserves. And he is unwilling to humble himself. And I'll just say this. You will hate God if you do not humble yourself before God. Have you fallen down? I'm so glad you're here this morning, but if you're not saved by the grace of God, the Bible says to us in his book, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And you know what you need this morning? You need grace. Grace, grace. God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all. Our sin. But you don't get that unless you fall down. You don't get that unless you humble yourself before God. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need Christ. And I'm going to come look for Him. And I'm going to find Him. That book says, seek, seek and you'll find. The Bible says that men should seek the Lord and He's not far from any one of us. You know how close the Lord is for you to reach today? But will you seek Him? If you seek Him, you'll find Him. They sought Jesus and they found Him, though they came from a long distance. You may be a long distance in your life. Your life may be so far away from God. Your sins may have taken you out in some far country somewhere in your heart and mind. But if you want to find Jesus Christ, He's ready to be found Are you willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to be my Savior. I I believe that you are the Christ. I believe you are the Savior of the world. I believe that death, burial, and resurrection, which is going to be why they gave him these gifts, I believe. 
hatred or humility. Herod would not fall down. The priests would not fall down. The Romans certainly would not fall down. But you know what I read in the Bible, the New Testament? There was some devil-possessed people that fell down. And there was some blind that fell down. And there were some lepers that fell down. And there were some women that fell down. There were people that did fall down before him and worship him and humble him, knowing he, he, he's the only Savior. He is the focal point of all humanity, and he still is to this very day. That's why it's 2023. Because it's all about Jesus. I wonder this morning, do you worship Jesus Christ? I wonder this morning, have you humbled yourself before Jesus Christ? Wise men fall down. And it's either that, it's either that humility or it's resentment. And that hatred will become hatred for others and hatred for innocence. You know, how, you, you, know you think, guys, how can people do what we read about all the time? How can you read about what happens around this world and what they do to children and women and people. How can we be so ruined to the bottom of our hearts? It's because Jesus isn't there. And love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God for God is love. You've got to be born of God. You've got to be saved by the grace of God to have that love come in your heart. It's either his love or hatred, hatred for life, hatred for people, hatred for everything. There's no love without him. Angry that he gets the attention. Angry that he gets the spotlight. The Bible says in our verse, verse 11, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. When they saw him, they fell down. Oh, if you could get a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ through this painting of the Word of God. They came one day to Jesus' disciples and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. We want to see him. I tell you, if you ever get a good glimpse of him, you'll fall down before him because there's nothing like he is. He's the holiest. He's the loveliest. He's the best. He has the name that's above every name. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the one that died for you. If you can get a glimpse of him, you, you, you might humble yourself and receive him. I see the humility of the wise men. I see the worship of the wise men. Then I see the giving of the wise men. Can we end with that this morning? The Bible says in verse number 11, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I'm glad for any time people give gifts. Because I've said before from this pulpit many times, God is a giver of gifts. He gives us gifts every day. We ought to be like God. I believe in giving gifts. And every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's from the Father of lights. 
But they're not giving gifts to each other. They're giving their gifts to Jesus. They're not keeping their treasures for themselves. They are heaping their treasures upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Because they consider the Christ, they consider the Lord, they consider God to be of such more value than their own selves, you see. He is more deserving and He is more worthy and He is more precious and He deserves all this stuff I have. Can I tell you this morning, He deserves everything we have because without Him we have nothing. Without Him, we are nothing. They open up their treasures. Do you see that word, treasures? I wonder, what do you do with your treasures? Now, they're more than just, uh, treasures can be more than just monetary things. You know, probably one of the greatest treasures you have is your life. You only have it for a certain amount of time. What are you going to do with it? Will you open up your treasure and give it to Jesus? Will you lay your life at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, you deserve this life. I don't deserve this life. Would you give your time to Jesus? Would you give the treasure of your days and your hours and your moments to Jesus? There's a whole lot more than just monetary things. How about your talents? There are some people in here that are very talented. Will you give your treasure of your talent to Jesus? Or would you keep it for yourself? Would you use it for your benefits and your purposes? The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6, we won't turn. He even said of what we're supposed to do with our treasure. Some, of, some people lay up treasures upon earth for themselves. And here these wise men are so wise. They know they can't hold, hold on to these treasures. Guys, do you know what? You can't hold on to your treasures. <laughs> Somebody's going to get them. Your brain-dead kids might get them. The court might get them. Go ahead. You might as well just say amen right there. And if, if, if you've got good kids, then their brain-dead grandkids will get your brain. Yeah, we'll get but somebody's going to get your treasure that probably is not too deserving of it. Would you agree with that? Matter of fact, you may have some, this always happens, some older person passes away and they had all these treasures in the closet or in the garage or in the attic somewhere that they treasured so much. And then when the heirs come, they just wholesale throw that stuff in the garbage. Because they don't care. They, they, they don't care what. Are, are you with me? Somebody said, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. What I'm trying to tell you is that everything that you treasure, one of these days it's not going to be yours. Wouldn't it be good if we recognized who really deserved the treasures? And we opened them up beforehand and said, Lord, what, what do you, I want to give you a gift. By the way, that's part of worship. Worship is not just your presence. Worship is giving, you see. It can be giving your gifts. When we take up an offering, we take up gifts for Jesus. Guys, the, the, our offerings, they're not for this church. They're for Jesus. You say, well, you use it for a lot of things for the church. That's because that's where Jesus wants to use it. 
And we use it to send money around the world. So the, the gospel of Jesus can go, you see. But it's still his money and it's his gift. And the truth is it's the money that's in the church treasury is not just Jesus's. But the money in your treasury is Jesus too. He's the only one that deserves the treasures. These wise men open up these treasures and they give to him in whom is hid all the treasures anyway. James 5 says about humanity, they've heaped up for themselves treasures in the last days. That's where we're living. What are these treasures? There are three. Gold. Pretty good treasure, isn't it? I like to shop at Costco. I noticed Costco put out a little thing. They started selling these little tiny little one-ounce gold pieces. They sold out as soon as they put it up. <laughs> so they put it up again and sold it out again. And so now they don't even put it up anymore. They can't. As soon as they put up these little one-ounce gold pieces, they're gone. Because people value gold, do they not? I think gold is... Is much over $2,000 an ounce right now. An ounce. That, that's, that's pretty high pickings. Here comes these wise men. We don't know how many there are. There may have been 15 of them. Here they come in, and here they're bringing in their, their, their treasures. What's all this? Well, let's open it up. Look at all this gold. I bet Mary's eyes got as big as saucers. You know why? She's poor. By the way, you noticed in the text, would you look at it again? When they came into the house, they saw Mary and the child. Where's Joseph? He's working. He's working. You know why? Because he's poor. He can't even get out of Bethlehem and go home. He went down there to pay his taxes. He can't even get back home. You say, how do you know they were poor? He couldn't even give an offering that was required for his child that was born. They're poor as Job's turkey. And all of a sudden, here comes all this gold. Can you imagine when he came home that day? And Mary met him at the door said, honey, give me a kiss. I got, you got, you just can't go wait to see this. And walked in there and there's all that gold around that baby. But watch it. The gold wasn't for Joseph and the gold wasn't for Mary. The gold was for Jesus. Now now watch. The poorest couple in town became the richest couple in town. You know if you'd get associated with Jesus more your life would be so much better. (laughs) I mean it might take some patience for a while. I'm not preaching health and wealth prosperity. God. I'm just saying if you'll get close to Jesus, you'd be surprised how the blessings will run off on you. And now they got so much money, what are they going to do with it? Well, see, God had a plan for that too. You know why they brought this gift of gold? Because they needed to finance the ways of the Lord. Because they're going to have to take a trip all the way down into Egypt and stay there and live for a while come all the way back to get away from all this murder, you see. Now they got all this money to do it. They can go in style. Joseph said, go get the first class ticket, honey. We don't deserve it, but we're riding with, we're riding with the king of kings. Yep. 
He gave us all this gold. Amen. We, we eating steak tonight, baby. Right? What a blessing. Now, now wait, wait. They, they opened up their treasures and they laid out the gold to finance and pay for whatever Jesus needed. I wonder, is that what you and I do with our gold? Now, now wait just a minute now. Was God broke? Think about this story, guys. God Almighty, God the Father, is up in heaven, and He's looking down at His Son being born uh, to these two poor young people that have nothing. And God says, I think I'm going to bless them. They're doing right. They're taking care of my son. Well, I tell you what, if we'll take care of Jesus more, He'll take care of us more. And God the Father looks down. And, and notice, God, God, people say God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills too. He owns everything. I mean, when Jesus needed money, he told Peter to go catch a fish and you'll find a coin in his mouth. He could have, amen, the birds fly and drop gold. But he looked down, he looked down, God the Father looked down and said, how am I going to get money to fund what my son needs done? And he touched the hearts of people that had the gold to bring the gold and give the gold. It was part of their worship. You know what? I bet when I meet those wise men, I go up to them and I say, Sir, do you regret giving all that gold to Jesus? What do you think he'll say? I wish I'd have brought more. (laughs) Do we worship the Lord? Do we? I see the humility of the wise men. I see the worship of the wise men. I see the gifts of the wise men. Gold. You say, preacher, I don't have a lot of gold. I don't have a lot of money to give to Jesus. Well, give him what you can. Give him what God touches your heart about. But there are other things you can give him. They didn't just give him gold. The Bible said they gave him gold and frankincense. That's an amazing thing. If you read all through the Bible and studied what was done with frankincense. They would bring frankincense to the priests and the priests would put it on the meat offering. When you went into the temple to the Holy of Holies, watch this now. And you, right before you approach God's presence, there's a table, there's, there's, there's more than one table, but there's a table in there called the table of showbread. That was the bread of God, that was holy bread before the Lord. And there were 12 loaves. They weren't just 12 loaves for the 12 tribes because it's strange. God says they put six loaves this way and six loaves that way. Six and six. I wonder how many books in the Bible you have. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then God says to the priest, he said, I want you to put frankincense on that bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am your meat offering. I am your substance. I am your sustenance. And here the wise men come and said, if he's God's holy bread for our soul, then we need to bring some frankincense. 
gold and frankincense. That, that anointing of that bread of God. The living bread. He said, I'm the living bread. But myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was a perfume. It had other uses. It was very bitter. Why did they bring myrrh? Jesus hangs on the cross. The Bible says they brought him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. Myrrh takes us to the cross, but it doesn't only take us to the cross. In John chapter 19, when they take the body of Jesus down from the cross, they bring the spices to embalm his body, and they bring that myrrh to embalm his body. I think in the picture of these gifts, whether it's gold or whether it's perfume or whether it's frankincense, we're getting a picture of who this Christ really is. He's the king of kings. He's the priest that is our offering. He's the living bread of God for our soul. And he's the one that he's born, but he's born to die. Just like they wrapped him in the swaddling clothes, like those little pieces of cloth that you would wrap up a dead body. And now they got myrrh there. He came to die for you. He didn't come to live for himself. He came to die for you. I just wonder today, are you a wise man that recognizes why he came? He did not come to bring us a holiday or even bring us a religion. He came to die for our sins that we might be saved. Are you saved this morning? Have you fallen down before him and humbled yourself and received him as your only Savior? Do you worship Him? Have you given Him all?